everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm one of your co-hosts, EJ, and joining me today is Lori. Hello. And T. Hey, guys. Today, during episode 12, we're going to give you an update on what we've been up to for the past few months since we took an unexpected hiatus this past summer. Uh, (laughs) A lot because of professional, family, you know, personal stuff. So there's a lot going on, and it just kind of all hit us over the summer, and so we just decided... Instead of struggling to come up with ideas, we would take a brief hiatus. Um, We didn't think it would be this long, but our schedules just seemed to not connect until (laughs) now. Um, now. Lori had visited me in September, so the episode you heard last week, episode 11, um, actually was recorded in September when she was visiting me briefly. Um, So... Uh, we were keeping a couple of those because we did multiple episodes. So we're going to keep one in our back pocket for a future in case something happens again. But um, you mean in case life life happens? Yeah, really. I know. Um, I mean, life happens every day. It's just when it gets crazy. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to do today. It's totally going to be unscripted, except I know the three main topics we want to talk about. So if we tackle them, great. If not, and we go on these tangents, you can expect that. (laughs) Yes, we like tangents. Rabbit holes are good. Yeah, sometimes. But you, don't, but you don't have to edit the podcast and sit and listen to it over but and this over is true. and over again. This is true. You go, girl. I don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm grateful. Um, but yeah, so does anybody want to start? Or I can go since I'm talking already? Or Yeah, I think you should go. Just start us off because you've got a lot to share. Um. <laughs> Well, okay, so I'll go with personal. I guess we can kind of all start with our personal stuff. Um, So when we last did the main podcast back in, um, I think June was our last day we recorded. Um, My dad had gone into the hospital in early June um, for something. We didn't know what exactly. And over the course of four four weeks in the hospital, his kidneys basically failed just in in a snap. And... Uh, we lost him in the middle of July, and it was very sudden. It was very quick. Um, apparently, his over the years, one of his kidneys had been doing extra work, or both of his kidneys had been doing some like overworked, and then one just like shut down, and then the other one took up the slack until it couldn't do that anymore. And so yeah. he just got sick really quick. They tried everything too in the hospital. I mean, they tried procedures, they tried even dialysis, and it just his body just couldn't handle it. So, unfortunately, I lost my dad, which was a huge hit to my emotions. And so that's part of the reason why I know I took some time away. Um, I have not been very active on social media even. And that's not normal for me because especially with my other podcast, which is pretty active in um, the 911 Lone Star fandom, I um, I kind of keep up with it enough to, like, make sure I know the general news of what's going on. But... <laughs> Like, I'm not really going to be on Facebook and all that stuff for a while. I'm just taking care of my mental health. Um, I just remember thinking that it was so really sudden. Because we just, you know, I mean, all of us, you know, being best friends, I just, I remember you saying that your dad was going to the hospital and that, you know, he was really sick and then he was better and then he was really sick and... Mm -hmm. And it was just this very 
up, down, up, down, yeah. you know, thing. But it was, it was this very long but short, <laughs> that, right? Yeah, that dichotomy, right? And it, and and next thing you know, you know, you're calling me and telling me, you know, Lori, they're saying he's, it's going to be in the next, you know, yeah. I think you 24 to 72 hours or something, and I. Yeah. Started making plans to come over and, you know, right. I, I was just, it really was so, well, so fast. Yeah, I think it was um, June 8th or 9th. I got a call about 9 o'clock at night. It was a Tuesday or th- Wednesday, something like that in the early June. And the nurse from his skilled nursing facility called me and said, hey, um, you know, your dad's not doing well. He hasn't been acting himself for the last couple of days. We're going to send him to the ER. Which one do you want him to go to? And where he was living was an equal distance to the to, to two different hospitals, one closer to me and one a lot further away from me. So, of course, I said, go to the one closest to me. Um, and so I they took him to the hospital and with COVID restrictions, they were limiting people in the ER. And so I couldn't really go over and see him that frequently. Um, and you know, yeah, like he was in the ICU for a short time and then he got started getting better and fluids and they thought he was kind of on the upswing. And then his numbers just went from good to like worse. And then they got better. And then they just like completely got worse. They tanked. Yeah. And I remember there was one day, and so I started going over like three, four times a week, like going over to the hospital. And um, I remember there was one day of clarity. And ever since I was a kid, whenever I go to bed or leave my parents, you know, I just say, I always, I always say, see you later, love you. And it's always been a thing. I, I never say goodbye. And I remember there was one day that he had like the clarity, like, I guess you could say that. And I... Um, you know, when I did leave, I said, you know, I said, dad, I got to go. Cause visiting hours, I think we're almost up. And, um, you know, I said that, and then he just kind of went downhill from there. And then towards the end of June, they did do a, a spell of dialysis. Um, right. but because of his condition and because of how serious he was, you know, in his condition there, they couldn't do a full dialysis. Like they couldn't do a full procedure like they did a like they didn't do it as for as long as they normally would do a normal patient um because well, it was pe- like his body couldn't even yeah um <clears throat> handle it you know yeah and um yeah i don't and i don't know like because i guess the thing that was this most of the shock is the fact that it was kidney failure because um that had there's nobody in my family that i know of that had kidney failure on his side of the family they're like, or kidney issues that I can remember. Right. Um, you know, he had never been told even in the last six years, um, that there was a concern with his kidneys, that his kidney numbers were looking a little wonky, nothing. <clears throat> and I even had the nurse when I was at the hospital one day who, you know, cause you get some days you're in there and you get a nurse that's like really chatty and wants to like, really wants to answer your questions. And others are like, why are you bothering me? And so I just happened to have one day where there was this really cool nurse and she was willing to like open up his chart. And I said, you know, he was in the hospital in July of 2020 um, here at the same hospital. I says, could you possibly look back at his records and see if some blood work was taken? And she did. And she looked at his kid, the kidney function numbers that were had skyrocketed over the last month. And they were normal in July of 2020. So sometime between July of 2020 and like, 
end of May 2021, his kidney just failed and it just stopped. Like it was kidneys. I guess there's more than one. So we'd never had any inclination that kidneys were something we had to look out for or anything like that. Um, So it was definitely sudden. But like, yeah, so I get what you say, because it, it was it was a long process because it was like, what, five weeks, six weeks yeah. of just the ups and downs. But then it was um, kind of slow because it was like every day you didn't know what you were going to walk into. Right. You know, right. <clears throat> Most days I'd get to the hospital and, you know, I had to come after work. So some days I'd get there at like 430 and I'd have to leave at six because that's when visiting hours closed. Um, right. And. In that time, he wouldn't even wake up. I'd talk to the nurses and they'd say, oh, yeah, he hasn't even been awake. Um, you know, some days he'd just be like, you know, stable and mm-hmm. just, you know, and but part of what c- concerned them, I guess, the facility is he was getting um, when he was coherent. He wasn't acting himself like he was being a little, you know, um, I don't know how to explain it, but. I could explain it to like Lori because she gets it. Cause, you know, cause yeah. She's my dad. Yes. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. So he just wasn't a, himself and it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been really hard. Um, I remember the last couple of days he, he'd gotten put back on, got put on hospice and he was returned to his skilled nursing facility because there was nothing the hospital could do for him at that point. And he was coherent the day that he was signed into hospice and I was there, the nurse from hospice signed him in and everything. Um, you know, and she was like, this isn't what I expected when I came over. And that was the last day that I had any clarity from him. And when right. I left, I said, see you later. Love you. And that was the last thing I got out of him is, yeah, I love you too, kid. And so I've been, com- and I'd been communicating with his family um, as best I could, you know, with what all I knew, which was not much. And his younger sister said, I'm coming out there. And I said, okay, but you know, and she's like, I, she's like, but I can't get there until this date, July 10th. And I said, okay. I says, we will pray that you make it, you know? And, and that was our fear. He's like, please, you know, please let him, her make it, you know, before he passes. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, you know, you go on hospice. It was not looking good. And I had talked with some friends. I talked with some family members and, I'd had a friend who was a nurse who's worked in different um, types of nursing situations. And she kind of put her hand on my arm one day and she says, you know that if he doesn't do dialysis, it's going to happen quickly, right? And I says, well, no, but I assumed it would, you know. And Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of what led me to make the decision of not pushing um, to do dialysis. Right. I didn't want him to go through the stress. I didn't like his, I knew his body wouldn't be able to handle it. And I didn't think he deserved that. Right. So I made the tough choice to just say, you know, we tried it. It didn't really work. And, you know, let's let him go in peace and let God take over. Um, And thankfully through all of this, I was communicating with Lori and other people from church and Tina. And, you know, we were, you know, I was I confident, like, I'm going to let God do what God's got to do. And I, my faith never wavered for that. And I just, I was talking to somebody recently and I was like, you know, I compare the time of losing my dad to the time of losing my mom. And it's a complete 180. 
like and you you were in a different place <laughs> yeah i was and i had a faith foundation that i didn't have when i lost my mom praise god <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean the summer definitely sucked <laughs> Yeah, there were great moments out of it. Hey, I um, really enjoyed getting to meet your aunt. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> she was so much fun. What I was, yeah. So going on with the story about my aunt. Um, so for those of you who, um, you know, know me, you know that I like I don't live near my family. Like, in, like most of my family lives at least a couple of states away. <laughs> So I don't get to see them that frequently. And so my aunt had given me a date. She's like, I can't get there until this date. I'm coming in regardless of whether he's still alive or if he passes away. And I was like, okay. So he's he was signed into hospice on the 1st of July. And by the 7th when I saw him, or the 8th when I saw him, he was congested. His lungs were starting to fill with fluid. And my prayer changed from... You know, God make the decision clear to let him hold on until his sister gets here. Because yeah. I knew she was coming on the 10th, which was two days later. And I kid you not, my aunt arrived at like one o'clock to the airport. I picked her up. We booked it right to his facility. We got there at two o'clock. We were there till six o'clock spending time with him. He was even more congested and more hard of breathing. He wasn't coherent. He wasn't awake at all. And, you know, I knew that, you know, visiting hours would soon be over and we needed to go and, you know, get some, something to eat and try and just keep our, you know, physical health up. And, uh, we left, got back to my place. And within three hours of getting back at nine 30 that night, I got a phone call that he'd passed away yeah. and it was, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like God answered our prayers that my aunt made it in time. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if dad didn't want us there when it happened. Yeah. Or if God didn't. I don't know. But... And we weren't, so we got back in the car, and at 9.45 at night, we drove an hour away to go back to my dad's place and said goodbye and, you know, spent the next couple of days dealing with arrangements and, you know, picking up stuff. And mm -hmm. um, my aunt was there for a few days, and then Lori came out a couple of days after my dad passed. Um, so yes, she got to meet my aunt, which was really cool. Cause she hadn't, I don't think you'd met my aunt when she was here last. Cause she visited no. a couple of years ago. Yes. And I think but you I were already that. moved back to Spokane by then. Yep. Yep. So I was glad that you got to meet her and, um, but wish it had been under better circumstances. So, yes. um, and yes. you know, I was super grateful that she was here. Super grateful that, um, you know, that you got to come out, Lori. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And you came out and visited couple you weren't gone long you were back like less than six eight weeks later weren't you yeah. something like yeah. that yep so we've Can't had get some enough adventures <laughs> um yeah so kind of personal was it i've had a lot of downs but i've had a lot of great ups too um i did like i've spoken about my weight loss journey i'm 
currently sitting at about 50 pounds weight loss. So good job, Erin. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's definitely been not been easy and I'm a couple of pounds up from where I was. So I'm put on a couple, but you know, that's can happen and I can sit at the same weight for a while. So I'm like, you know what? I've still already lost X amount of pounds. I'm going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I just got to get back on better habit, but yeah, so that's, it's, it's good. You know, it's nice to fit into clothes that didn't fit as well before. And now you put them on and they're loose and <laughs> comfortable to wear instead of like worrying you're going to like the shirt's going to be too short or something. Yeah. Um, what do you attribute the weight loss to EJ? Uh, just like, what do you mean? Like, have you been doing anything in particular? Oh, oh, yeah. Um, well, primarily, um, so I did start working with the nutritionist back in the end of March. And for the first couple mm-hmm. of weeks of working with her, um, I just logged all the food that I ate. Um, and then we just kind of looked at what was going on. And she goes, she's like, I can see the problem. And she, <laughs> she <laughs> said, um, you're eating too many carbs. And she's like, you need to get more color on your plate because I wasn't eating vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> so I've really cut back the carb intake to about a quarter of what I was getting before. Right. Um, and I've increased my protein because I wasn't getting a ton of protein, mm-hmm. which was surprising because I always have a meat of some kind with my meal because I love meat. <laughs> okay, that right. sounded wrong. But I do. I like I, – I'm not – a. I could You're never a carnivore. Be a vegetarian. Yeah, I'm a carnivore. I could never yes. be a vegetarian. <laughs> no, me either. I don't think any of the three of us are. <laughs> nope. I'm like, throw a good steak in front of me. I will eat the whole thing except the fat. Amen. Um, me too. So, um, you know, and it. so she didn't just like, we didn't put together like, you have to do this, you have to do that. What she just gave me is like, well, maybe you could cut this out. And maybe instead of eating, you know, like the regular peanut butter, maybe you could get the no sugar added peanut butter and that's a little less carbs. And so it's, it's just been making some small changes with the types of things I'm getting. Um, so I've just primarily been doing that. I'm not on anything specific like a keto diet or anything like that. Um, I love I love that because that really is the message to anybody who needs to make any kind of changes. Yeah. It's not about quitting it completely. Sometimes it's right. changes to it. So right. the fact that you lowered your carbs, but you didn't get rid of your carbs. Right. And you looked for things that were acceptable to you, like mm-hmm. no sugar added peanut butter, increasing yeah. your colors on your plate, uh, and stuff like that. Just... And the, and the fact that you've had such great success so far with that, that just really speaks to that approach. Yeah, amen. I totally agree. Um, you know, a lot of time, I, really. Yeah, and, you know, and I've, I've tried, you know, structured diets before, and they just didn't ever work for me. Or they'd mm-hmm. work for a certain length of time. I'd lose, like, 15 pounds, and then it would, I'd put it all back on. Right. Um, and so, then some, right? Because there's it, always yeah. a little oh, like, yeah, bounce definitely. back, you know. And I remember um, – um, I was just—I I was just going to say—I think there's something to be said for um, the power of making a choice in the moment, making a mindful choice in the moment. Like yeah. I could, I can certainly eat this donut, and I would enjoy it, and that's okay. But I would also enjoy uh, this little platter of fruit that, after I gave up sugar, uh, suddenly tasted wonderful to me. I didn't—I used to All hate right. fruit, but um, but making that choice in that moment, I don't feel like yeah. I'm jipping myself. Right. Yeah, yep, I would so, agree with all of that. Yeah, I've uh, and and what 
what's really great too, I keep interrupting you, EJ, I'm sorry, no, but okay. <laughs> um, I think what's really uh, uh, truly amazing is that this that's that's been part of your journey even with the loss of your dad. Yeah, um, that's a lot what of I was times, say. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times when you experience a loss like that, it can really, even if you stay on the same eating patterns, your mm -hmm. body responds to that stress and, and that grief mm -hmm. and wants to store things away because it's like, oh, yeah. we're under emergency. We right, need to store, right. store this. Yeah. And you manage to continue to do that. Let, I mean, and that's just staying on that, you know, approach. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people will also then comfort eat too. So, you know, yeah. Which I I do admit I comfort eat, but you're right. I actually was going to say that too. Is because the I weighed myself at the end of June because at the time I didn't have a scale at my house. So the only time I'd weigh myself is like if I took a client to like their doctor's appointment and they had you know to get weighed. So I'd say, hey, can I hop on the scale really quick? Or I'd have a doctor's appointment where I'd have to go and then get weighed. So I didn't have like. I wasn't be able, able to initially consistently weigh myself. I weighed myself at the end of June. I was a certain weight. I laid myself one month later, so at the end of July, two weeks after my dad had passed away, and I was the exact same weight. Wow. And wow. since then, I've lost weights, you know, since then. Well, right. That's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've I was I was very happy, and I I, I noticed that too because I've had friends who have gone through struggles with their like you know, family members having issues and they put on weight cause they're stressed and stuff. And the next thing you know, they're, you know, 30, 40 pounds heavier because of the stress. And I'm like, yeah, I, I did not experience that. Um, so I'm grateful to God for keeping me like on track with that. Well, I think too, it's a testament to the fact that it's just another sign, um, Aaron, that you're, you you were in a different place this time, mm -hmm. spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like I'm your big sister. So, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I can say I've seen maturity and growth over the last, you know, you know, several years. I just, you're, you're growing and and maturing and just becoming this beautiful woman that you're meant to be. And mm -hmm. you were still, you were still broken, if you will, and not definitely didn't have the spiritual foundation, right. but even socially and emotionally and all of those things, you didn't, I didn't feel like you had this complete, you know, just more whole and healthy life. I mean, when we first met, you know, and, and you have grown so much in that time. And I am, I'm like a big proud sister, you know, and I just am so proud of you. And I, I, I want to encourage you to keep it up and, and, you know, I mean, it's kind of why we're doing this podcast, right? We're mm -hmm. trying to, be our authentic selves. We're trying to figure out who God created us to be, you know, get yeah. behind those masks and, and make some good changes right. and, and learn and grow. And I feel like that's, that is a huge testament to why I feel like 
this was a different experience for you than when, than when your mom passed away. Yeah. Amen. So, no, I yeah. appreciate, I appreciate that. And thanks for the encouragement. Cause that means, that means a lot. And it also means a lot that people are noticing, um, the change in me. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you don't always get that feedback sometimes. Like I know you shared some, some of that with me before. So yeah, I, you know, I was aware of it from you, but there's other people that have also shared and I, um, I sing at church and I will be the first one to admit, um, I was very uncomfortable singing in front of people and I still kind of am. <laughs> um, <laughs> And even today, like singing at church, we sing a song that we don't often sing. And there's, instead of it being just a song we all sing, every um, singer or every uh, soprano, alto, bass, tenor all have different parts, like different words to sing. Like they're all over the top of each other. And I always struggle with that because I sing soprano usually. And um, our alto has been out for a couple of weeks. And so he wanted the leader wanted me to sing the alto part, which I could do. Cause I know that one. Then the soprano one always scares me, but I ended up having to sing the soprano part because the other soprano that was there was more comfortable doing the alto part. <laughs> so I was just really like the self-conscious and I think I get up, you know, so then to hear that about, you know, like, okay, so like I am doing things right. You know, I will get there. Like, it's not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You will get there Amen. one day. Um, you know, and then like, and I love singing, like I love singing, I love dancing, I love doing all that stuff. So it's just like the more, like when I get encouragement about it, it just, it really means a lot. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm doing the right things. Like I'm on the right track. It's nice to feel like it, something is going in, in a, in a, a, a good direction. Yeah, at least I know I'm in the same train yard or the right train yard. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't missed a oh, turn somewhere. Oh gosh, I um, love it. Massive derailment. You turn, you turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, and then, you know, uh, we're recording this on the 24th of um, October. And it is so hard to believe. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe we're almost at the end of October. Um, Halloween is a week away. Oh, my. <laughs> so I'm super excited because the, t- the last two Novembers, I've worked on a novel to work on my first original fiction novel and I literally finished it today and wrote the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 115,000 words, uh, down oh and now God. it's time to edit. <laughs> oh so, my goodness gracious. Um, sometime I'm hoping in the early 2022, I will have it published. Yay. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm I know. So excited. I, I, I'm super excited. I, I was a little late to the meeting I was going to today cause I was, I was like, nope, I'm finishing this last couple of paragraphs. I'm not leaving until it's done. And so I got there right at on time. But Way to set those boundaries. Way to get like, it done, girl. Uh, so, yeah. That was, but, yeah. That's, that's well, I'm, yeah. And so on top of that, I have another one I'm getting ready to start. For anyone who knows about NaNoWriMo and anybody who knows me, I'm sure has heard me talk about it. Uh, it's National Novel Writers Month. It was something that was started in, like, 1999 with a a couple of people and they just decided, Hey, let's write 50,000 words of a novel in November. Cause you know, it's starting to get cold out and yucky. People aren't going out of sight. So what can we do while we're inside? Let's write a novel. Um, and it slowly has grown over the last 22 years for, and I didn't pick up on it until about three years ago. So 2019 was my first year and I'd had a novel idea for a while. Um, so I worked on it in 2019 uh, finished, I got the 50,000 and a little bit more. And then, um, 
the same with 2020. I picked it back up again. And then I didn't touch it after the end of November of last year until this month. I was like, I got to finish it because I don't want to do this one on the next NaNoWriMo. I want to do something else. I have another idea I've been working on. Um, Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, And I've also got some other irons in the fire when it comes to publishing some things. So I'll uh, eventually share about that. But that's I'm keeping that kind of secret. All right, all right. All well, right. So I've been talking for like a half an hour, so please. Yeah. Stop you go for it, T. Why me? You can go next. No, no, no. I always talk. I'm always th- I talk, talk. You talk. Lori's just uh, straining her voice because she went karaokeing last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why she gets to have that excuse. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were there too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I feel like I lost it, but you go first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what to what to say. Um, I feel like much of my life is same old, same old every day. Um, I know that it was difficult for me to be involved in podcasts, uh, anything to do with speaking, because I had some dental work uh, done. Uh, I think mm-hmm. for me, what's so significant about that is. I had my youngest daughter in 1995, and when I was pregnant with her, uh, my ex-husband and I and our two other kids, were we were homeless, and um, I didn't have health care uh, available to me. Uh, I had prenatal care, but not like my dental, dental care, and um, sometimes what happens during pregnancies is a woman's teeth can be affected because yeah. not enough nutrition or nutrients mm. are getting to the teeth. And then without having the dental care available to me from that point, and I had it off and on throughout the years and would try to get as much taken care of as I could, Um, but it was just downward spirals. By the time I graduated with my master's degree in 2011, my teeth were really, really bad. I I really almost couldn't eat, Um, Mm. and the front, my front teeth were starting to be affected, and it really messed with my self-esteem. I was getting ready to go out to professional really felt um, like it was a, a hurdle. And so my ex and I decided we would tackle this and uh, managed to get enough credit to be able to get all my, t- uh, most of my teeth removed and to get temporary dentures. And uh, they'd left six on the bottom so that I could hold, it would hold in the lower denture that a partial lower and full upper. And the idea was, is the temporaries were for only three months and then we would have to go back in and we'd used up all the credit to do to that point, but we were hoping to have it paid down enough to go back in and get the permanence and that never happened. Mm. And so the teeth would break out of them and um, I would glue them back in, the lower plate broke in half, I'd had, I glued that back together and then um, there were two on the bottom that I could just never glue in and keep in. So it always, always felt like every time I saw myself, I looked like a bulldog because of the way the lowers were. Which, and by the I, way, you didn't. But oh, I, I'm going to say you did not look like that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it looked like to me. And, uh, <laughs> and then slowly over the years, as I was gluing the teeth back in, my upper teeth. Now, before I did this, I had really pretty teeth. 
I had all my teeth were super straight and um, before they deteriorated and and then with the dentures they were it was really cool that first little bit because they were straight and they looked so pretty and then but over time as I kept having to glue them back in and I even had to buy off probably Amazon um, a set of fake teeth and to, to use those to glue in because you know if they broke in the middle of the night I swallowed them Oh, no. So over time, I my <sighs> my upper teeth. I look like I had like really super crooked teeth because I could only do so much with it. So, mm. um, so finally this summer we just took a leap of faith, and uh, in July I had the last of my teeth removed, and I had to wait. I think it was like three months. Before mm-hmm. I go in and get it, the- did take a long time, but it's supposed to. Um, yeah, but they uh, don't do that going into it, right? Exactly. <laughs> she told me, I, I, I was like, Well, can I get them right away? And she, she's like, No, call me in two weeks, we'll see how you're feeling. And uh-huh. I said, Okay, so I called her in two weeks, and she said, Yeah, no, you're not going to be ready yet. Wait another couple weeks, and then I waited another couple weeks, and I said, Now, and she goes, Send me a picture. So I, because I didn't want to drive that far, or she didn't want me to drive that far, and I sent her a picture. She goes, and this by this point, I'm a month in. I'm thinking, yeah, the swelling's down, and you know, I feel like they're they're doing good. And I sent her a picture. She goes, nope. She goes, you see the, you see how you have those holes in your gum still? And I was like, yeah. She goes, those have to be closed up. I'm like, that could take months. She goes, yep. <laughs> I was like, what? The- why didn't you guys tell me this? But anyway, yeah. So finally, at the beginning of October, I was getting ready to go on a, a trip uh, for work to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I and I got a hold of her and I said, is there any way they are close enough now so that I've got this trip? Please tell me I can have teeth for the trip. <laughs> I've been going around with just those crooked uppers in my mouth. And oh. She's like, okay, send me pictures. I sent her pictures. She's like, yeah, it's good enough. And she scheduled it and made sure I had them before I went on my trip. Awesome. It was so awesome. I was so excited for you. Yeah. So I'm still adjusting to them, you know, eating wise. But I'll tell you, it is, it has been 10 years of being mortified by my mouth. Well, longer than that, because, you know, you figure it started back in 95, but yeah. Um, this last year and a half with the COVID stuff and having to do everything via video, mm-hmm. it really came to bear. It really like became to me so front and center of an issue. Like it was, it was almost debilitating. It was very, I, I, I have not felt that much self-consciousness in a very, very long time to that degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's pretty awesome. I can talk and smile and do business stuff and not feel self-conscious. So. All right. mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, and no more whistling. And no more whistling. <laughs> yeah. That was funny right after I had my teeth. Lori, you're funny. Right after I had my teeth pulled, if I tried to say anything with a shh sound or. <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah. Well, I remember calling you to see if maybe you were ready and you were talking. I'm like, oh gosh, she's whistling as she's talking. You're fine. Not... You can do this. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm all mushy still. I'm still talking mushy. Oh, man. It was funny. So, so um, all my life, um, when my mom was around, she had upper an upper plate. And so, you know, as a kid, you know, we're taught, hey, you go brush your teeth after dinner. <laughs> so I'm sure you know where this is going. <laughs> after dinner, I'd say, okay, I'm going to go brush my teeth. My mom, being the witty one, would pull her upper plate out and go and hand it, try and hand it to me and say, okay, brush mine too. That would do that. She she used to do that, that type of stuff too. I was find it funny. Um, ladies, you ladies are funny. You know what? I I you said you get getting um used to them. Um my dad got them and I know a few other people who have gotten them recently in like the last few years and they hate their dentures. But my mom had she got them in eighty four, I think. Eighty well it was before I was born, it's so probably eighty three. And um she never had them adjusted. She never had to um, I don't know. They must have made it with magic or something that like, <laughs> I don't know, because she like magic never teeth. had them adjusted. She never went to the dentist. She never had issues with them. Um, and, you know, I, everyone and she never had to put any of that stuff in that um, mm-hmm. fix a dent or whatever it's called to yep. like hold it on. She never used any of that stuff. Yeah, these I don't have to put any of that in. Um, this the dentist I went to it cost me a little bit more than I could afford, but you know I did it anyway um, because she has just had a really good reputation for that. That mm-hmm. uh, when she did it, it was very, and that was part of the reason she made me wait so long. Is she wanted me to get when I got them to not need any relining, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my boss went through. I think she's just now talking about maybe going in and seeing to, about getting them relining and. She's had hers for a little over a year, and and so um, you know our our mouths can change a little bit, especially right. you know, as we get older. So, but I think one of the things that the feedback that I've gotten, everybody who sees me now that doesn't know, they're like, "Have you lost weight?" No. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe some, maybe a little bit because you know that three months <laughs> no teeth can really change your eating habits, right. but. Uh, it's the fact that having good teeth in my mouth has changed the structure of my face. Mm, yes. Okay. And you're smiling more. And I'm smiling more. Yeah. Which is just infectious and contagious <laughs> and lovely to see. <laughs> so, uh, uh, other than that, the, the highlight of my, my personal life is was that trip to Atlanta, Georgia. I got That's to see right. where... Martin Luther King Jr. was born and where he's him and his wife are entombed and the church he grew up in and nice. uh, and stuff like that. And then what a cool got, experience. Yeah. Yeah. Got to see the Pont City Market, I think is what it was called. And then another another place and got to drive around a little bit and see stuff. So And learn lots at your conference. Yes, yes. That too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I'm oh, I pretty... did this, 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 and this, and oh, by the way, I guess I did go to the conference too. <laughs> yeah. Well, a little bit of a side note. Um, so, 
the conference we went to was the National Crime Victims Conference. Okay. And so we left, we left Monday night to stay at a hotel in, um, uh, by the airport and on our way to the hotel so that we could catch a flight early the next morning because it was a long flight Tuesday. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> but anyway, so we stopped at a restaurant at, at the mall to eat. And we came out from that, and my boss's car had been broken into. And my one of my coworkers' purses had been stolen. And so, you know, it wasn't lost on us that here we are. We are a crime victim agency <laughs> going to a crime victim conference, and we're now victims of crime. Right. So, oh but, wow. And, and all the horrors that go with that right now. Because, like, so my boss, of course, called the police. Um, and she was put through the voicemail. That's insane. Uh, I still don't get that. We got more response from mall security. They may have a video, but they said this happens every night. And, um, matter of fact, the, the restaurant we'd eaten at when I'd gone in to ask them to call security, uh, they said that it, that there, it happens to their employee vehicles all the time. And matter of fact, when I, that this had happened, a couple of them rushed out to their vehicles because they'd already had it happen to them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and then, um, yeah, my boss finally got a call back from the police department a couple of days later and got the information, and then they offered to send out someone to fingerprint the car that was now back in our hometown. Oh, my and goodness gracious. Yeah, it's it's a little late for that, you know. Right, so, right. All, all of the things that you, and then I'd even posted on Facebook about it, and I took the post down because we were getting victim shamed. It was it was our fault. That the right, car that really up. blew me away. So and I, that, I do not understand that. Yeah, it was our fault that our car had the car had been broken into, um, and we shouldn't expect better of the police department. And I can go on a spiel about that. I won't on this po this podcast because I don't think it's the place for that. But yeah. And so, and it, and it just reminded me of all the things that I've, I've heard victims talk about in, in what I do. And, and a lot of what we learn about at these conferences is, is that this is something that victims often experience is that victim blaming. Which yeah. is just ridiculous. It's really sad actually. So really all the sad. cost of the repairs will well, well, my boss will have to pay for that. So not only do you know that that sense of violation in the moment and all of that stuff, that the victim has to cover the cost. Yeah, I've been Are there. Are you I serious? My... That's not covered yeah. under like I haven't nope. driven in like you know more than a decade. So um... yeah, her her insurance. Um, I can't remember if her deductible was more than the cost of the. So I don't know if her insurance covered it or not. Wow. Well, I had my car broken into and I had to p pay for it. I didn't get any payback because my car, um, my deductible was higher than what it was going to cost to pay fix the window. Yeah. Wow. So it's yeah. easier to just not bother putting a uh, claim into your insurance company because your deductible <laughs> might be a thousand and the window was only 300. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it'll raise your insurance too. It could. So wow. Much. Yeah. So more really, if you will, victim shaming, like yeah. more, it's right. a victim, right? Like, yeah. oh, oh, oh yeah. We're, you know what? We'll get to that. 
we'll have to put this into a future podcast. Uh, totally. Oh, absolutely. Fine. I, I yeah. could see that being a topic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely going to have to do that. So, well, thanks for sharing, T and Aaron. I, um, I've had some adventures um, since we had our break and I, I'm not going to lie. Like I wasn't at the same place that you both were. Um, and so I was like, no, no, I don't want to take a break. I'm doing good. I want to keep going, you know? And you, you did have, you did have something come up during that break that you would not have been able to record. No, no, I, that's just it. So it was like, you know, I'm, I was just, but in the beginning, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to take this break. I don't want to stop. I don't want to lose our momentum and, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, divine, divine timing and God knowing where we were and, you know, all these things going on. So, honestly, okay, so stroke brain, okay. I have gaps sometimes that where I'm like, so I had bariatric surgery I have a sleep you know I um things have been going well with the surgery I've had a few hiccups but I had a major one um during this break and had we not been on break you know we would have been on break because I almost died I, I just like it's still you know you have How to wrap your about it brain about it well okay I have to laugh because you know a friend was talking to me earlier and he was just mentioning he goes Lori you literally like I don't think you grasp what a walking miracle you are and I'm like well no I am he goes no stop I'm just gonna list off like 10 things I can think of that make you a walking miracle you know and he gets about halfway through this. So I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. He's like, you're not supposed to be alive and walking. Right, exactly. And, and I'm like, oh, that's a thing. That's a real thing. That's yeah, actually happening. Like, how are you still standing? Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, kind of learning to embrace that. And and so we've, we've talked about... Um, you know, being advocates for ourselves. Um, and we, so basically what happened was one of my specialists was really trying to help me. And she was trying to solve one little piece of the big, large health pie. Right. And she unfortunately just didn't calculate the bigger picture which is my dying liver and, um, and, and forgot to put in the bariatric piece. And so with those things, she, we were trying to get me off of insulin because my A1C numbers have been rocking it since my, my surgery, which is awesome. I'm very excited about that. And they're still doing really well. I'm currently sitting at like a 6.1. It's going really well. I haven't seen that kind of a, an A1C number, if you know anything about that, since before I was diagnosed with diabetes. So 
it's just great. It's considered an actual pre-diabetic number. So that's just amazing. And I'm, I've been enjoying that. So we were like, you know, let's, let's stop insulin and we're going to go on one of these new drugs. And, and of course, a lot, a lot of people will understand this. There are formularies and there are all these things. And so we wanted to go back onto a drug that we knew my body already had done well with, but it was no longer in the formulary. And so I couldn't get it. And, and these drugs are very, very expensive and because drugs are. And so she's like, well, there's this other drug, you know, we could, it's, it's, it's not in the same family, but, but I, I think it'll work for you, you know? And she's like, but, you know, I want you to take like a half a pill and then work your way up. And then a week later, take the other one. So I took the half a pill. The first two days really were like I was, the room was spinning. Things were not going great, but then it, it kind of seemed to balance itself out a little bit. And I thought I would be fine. And I thought it got better. And so I kept taking it. And so then the next week I added in the full pill and it was like putting in that other half of the pill literally sent my body into shutdown mode. So my body was not retaining the fluids, my, my blood pressure. I was passing out. I passed out in my house. Like I, I just couldn't believe it. Every time I would go to stand up, the room's spinning, everything's going. I'm really nauseous, you know, and in the, in the midst of all this, with everything going on, I've started with a new caregiver, you know, we haven't quite got the schedule down, you know, like everything is, is really kind of in, in just kind of a, a very chaotic state. And I'm one to do, a, I, I don't know, I feel like I've had enough sickness and the whole world does not need to know that or want to hear that I'm experiencing something not going right again. And so I really kind of suffered in silence. I didn't say a lot because I don't know. There's just this thing in me that says, Lori, mm, I know what that is. go there. <laughs> it's called stubbornness and you have a lot of it. I do. I do. But I just, I don't know. So I just sat there just suffering. My son was like, mom, how long has this been going on? But you know, he's at the hospital. I'm now in the hospital and and I've been admitted, and my son's like, Mom, why didn't you say anything? I was like, well, you guys were busy. He goes, not that busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought it was fine. He goes, Mom, you almost died. It was not fine. <laughs> I was like, sorry, sorry, son, you know. So what the internist um, doctor, internal medicine doctor at the hospital realized was there was a combination of things going on. So I too have lost a lot of weight. I've now lost 60, 63 pounds. So, um, you know, I'm doing well that way. And, um, but none of my meds had been adjusted for that. So my, I was taking meds for a person that weighed 63 pounds 
more than I do at the time. And so he's like, there's, you're taking way too much of this and way too much of this. And why wasn't Mm -hmm. this adjusted? And, and then he's looking at this new diabetic drug and he goes, and who put you on this? He goes, (laughs) it specifically says if you're a bariatric patient, you, you shouldn't take this medicine. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, he goes, literally what's been going on is everything is being shoved out of your system. He said, you can't put enough in to maintain what your body needs just to function. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know. So shout out to those of you, you know, with, you know, chronic illness and other things. I I talk a lot about this. We have to be our own best advocates. Um but also we, we, we have to remember that sometimes our doctors are infallible, imperfect human beings and won't connect all the dots. And, and I've learned, so we did set up some new stuff after this happened. So I spent what, like almost 10 days in the hospital, but um, I, so Every new drug that I now even consider has to go through my pharmacist and my liver specialist and my RN through the bariatric specialty team so that they can all be like, oh, one can raise those flags or go, or they can all give the all clear and say, no, 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 this should be good. She should be fine. You know? Yeah. So, and anyway, that's what's just, supposed to happen. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing is like, that's like a pharmacist first off is supposed to be trained in looking at a list of all your medication being like, do, 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 not going to work. <laughs> right. You know, right. and they have all these computer systems that are supposed to flag that anyways, like yeah. when a doctor prescribes something. So it's like several different things kind of fell out like it didn't connect like it was supposed to yeah and so like it progressively just got worse and you were taking diuretics at a strength for a person who was 63 pounds heavier and then you were losing more water than you could put in right (laughs) it was just great stomach was only is only so small like so so big so big now yeah they put four bags of fluid to me in the first night that i was there four bags of fluids and I was still like, they're, st- they're like, you're still dehydrated, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'd gotten severely dehydrated, was getting malnourished. And that was the weird thing. Like, you know, I've been sick. I've been disabled, you know, for a decade now. And I, I'm used to looking at my blood work and my labs. And, you know, I often get, you know, at least one flag on you know, some piece of blood work. We were in the hospital. Every, almost <laughs> every other thing had a flag on it. Like it was too low. It was too high. It was too this. It was too that. And like my doctor was like, your body is just so messed up. So I just had to, basically it took about four days just to kind of get my body back into some semblance of normalcy. And then you know, it's, it really took another couple of weeks for my body to recover from that. And um, I've just recently felt like, oh, 
I'm feeling healthier. I'm feeling better. I went, you know, been going on a couple of fall walks and getting some pictures and came out and saw you again, Aaron. And we, you know, did that thing with your dad's ashes. And mm-hmm. I actually felt that was probably the first time I was really feeling like, wow, I, I feel almost normal again, you know? And so, yeah, so, you know, here I was not wanting to take the break, but apparently I needed to take a break with you all because, you know, my body had other plans. Right. So you guys got to understand something about Lori. She is short. But she's got these fast little legs. (laughs) I, she leaves me in the dust when I'm walking anywhere. This was like when we were both a little heavier, like she would just, Buds off, like run off. I was like, Lori, slow down. Sorry, you gotta understand. I had sons. I'm used to keeping up, keep going fast. Right. I'm like, so you don't have them now. <laughs> like your kids are adults now. You don't have to chase after them. <laughs> but like she will breeze past. And this, so when you were there in September, you actually were like taking breaks, which I'd never seen you do on a walk before. Right. I'm like, well, I'm gonna soak up this because I need a break. <laughs> Because I'm like, I can't keep up with you. Because it got to a point on some of our little treks, even if it was just like a short distance from somewhere, I'm just like, let Lori go wherever she wants because I'm not chasing after her. <laughs> and please don't let her fall because I don't want to have to go save her. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, just, yeah, just because though I'd yell after like, don't fall. <laughs> don't give me any reason to <laughs> or call her son. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, that's funny. I was. And I'm learning um, physical therapy and um, a lot of that stuff is starting to sink through my thick, stubborn skull. And I'm learning to to kind of slow down a little bit. I still get where I'm going and I don't have to be at Mach 2. Um, really? Right, right. This is a good thing. And, and just kind of try to... I don't know. I'm trying to learn to soak things in and to um, be okay and savor moments. And, you know, it was funny. um, We were talking. um, I had a really busy day with the family. We celebrated uh, my granddaughter's uh, first birthday and um, had a lovely little party and lots of pictures because that's me too. And and, um, so we're doing all that stuff and I sat down and I'm editing pictures and I went to go on Facebook and in my memories, I was like, Oh, it's my spiritual birthday. And if you don't know what that means, but basically it's just a way of celebrating the day that we got baptized and chose to make Jesus Lord of our lives, you know? And so I was like, Oh, (coughs) it's, it's my birthday. Um, and so I made a little post about it, you know, and I really just kind of reflected on, you know, some of the healthy changes that I'm making and that I'm choosing. And, you know, the surgery, of course, was a big one and, um, you know, but just personal choices and spiritual choices. And I'm just really trying to. And, you know, doing this podcast with you two and I'm really trying to embrace and figure out and learn and be comfortable 
with who I was created to be and learning to know that I'm not here just to please other people. And it's not that we don't want to love others or live sacrificially or, you know, um, encourage one another. But honestly, until this part of my journey, I'm, I think I thought that self-care and self-love was selfish and evil. Like it was just not okay. And I recently had this, this woman that I did a, a vision thing with. She was like, Lori, I don't know. She goes, I want you to go back and study out Jesus, you know? And I was like, okay. She goes, and pay very close attention to the self-care that he did, you know? And I was like, Jesus was into self-care? Like, I just... How many times did he go pray by himself? Right. And and she said that, and he took time to rest, and he did these things, and he would leave the crowd, or he would do these things, and... And he would say no, and he would say yes. He had good, healthy boundaries, and, you know, and he was in tune with his father and, you know, all this stuff. And she goes, all of that is a part of self-care. And so it's not bad, Lori. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm learning a lot. You know, I I just really felt like, if I wasn't out there bleeding for others and dying, then, you know, for a good cause, you know, it's not like I was out there, you know, just, you know, um, for nothing. Um, and it's not that those things aren't good and they're not worthy things for me to pay attention to and to care about, but not to the detriment of my health and spiritually, mentally, physically, you know, and most of my life has been to the detriment of my own spiritual, mental, and physical health. And that is a massive revelation for me and what I'm trying to learn to embrace and trying to learn to, you know, that's why I'm trying to get behind these masks and, you know, Tina, you remind me a lot. They're not all bad, and they're not. But I need to learn how to live with them healthily, not not being consumed by them or what they do for me or don't do for me, you know. And to, you know, as a good friend of mine said, sitting by my hospital bed a few years ago, he's like, Lori you don't love yourself. And I was like, yeah, I, and I couldn't even finish that sentence because I realized he was right, you know, and, and it's kind of been a journey since then of trying to figure out, okay, what does that look like? What does that mean? And, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been trying to do. So anyway, it ended up being a good thing. We, we took a break. So now, 
we're back. We're revived. <laughs> we got we got things going. So where are we going professionally, ladies? That's what we're going to talk about next, right? Yep. Who wants to start professionally? What's What's been going on professionally? Crickets. I know, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I could go. I, I, I mean, yeah. So I shared a little bit earlier. I, you know, my, I finished the first draft of my first original fiction novel. So that's a huge excitement. So that will be going into editing in December, I think. And so November, I'll start back up doing National Novel Writers Month again. It's a uh, shorthand is NaNoWriMo uh, online. And uh, I'll start with a new story idea I've had brewing for several years that um, I want to tackle. So I'm getting on that. And the little hint I was dropping earlier, I'm going to start publishing a few things on uh, Amazon, Kindle, Yay. some different projects. So and start getting some passive income from that and uh also i'll self-publish my novel when it's edited and i'm happy with the novel and i i finished it at 115,000 and some change words and i know i'm going to edit out at least 20,000 or more because a traditional novel like i've written is usually 70 to 90,000 and i'm pretty sure i can get it to that it's uh but i'm excited i've you know i'm professionally also i've you know i've helped Lori. uh i don't know if you want to share but yes yes um I, so yeah, you share yeah. and then i'll finish because it okay. goes along with that yes um so i finished and um self-published with the help of ej um i finished my first children's book and that was, I, I, I tell you, pushing that self-publish button or when they finally, you know, with this children's book thing. Yeah, really. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, Aaron and I definitely learned that um, the, the oh, what is it, the, the stuff that they desire. Um, all oh, the requirements. Work. Yes, the requirements. <laughs> it was skipping my brain. I just couldn't get it. <laughs> um, yeah, they they're pretty specific about certain things when it comes yes. to the size of documents that you have right, to put and in there. Margins and yeah. covers and bleeding and I didn't even know what bleeding in a book meant, but I do now. <laughs> and um, you know, so I think it was almost seven days or something maybe 10 I don't I know think we but, worked on it on a Tuesday and I think it was Sunday we finally got the final like right? I was like fine I'm just taking every it all out. day like, every day something. we kept getting a new email that said could you change this could you do this could you do that could you I do know it? right and you I it was so funny because we had prayed that night and we finally you know we prayed we worked on it and you're like Lori if this comes back again, I think we're going to have to get professional help. Like we can't do this, you know? And I was so excited when I woke up the next morning to congratulations, your book is now available. And I was like, my book is available already. Like, wow. Okay. We, yeah. we went from, you need 20 million things to it's done. It's already online. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, cause I, I was thinking I've, now that I've had some chance to process it as the, what happened, I think what was happening is, you you'd had you had a friend of yours had done some artwork for it yeah and I'd done a cover for it and it was the cover was the right size for a six by nine book but we used some of the images inside and you know when you put a picture in a document you can adjust the size well I it wasn't 
it was too far, I guess, over the bleed line for them to be wanting it. Yeah. So like, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. You cut off the corner of the fur. I don't care. Right. <laughs> the picture is still there, you know? Um, cause you, and you know, oftentimes with children's books, especially you'll see like a little picture in the middle of a page or something. And that's what I was trying to get. But for some reason, just between their requirements and what I was doing, nothing was working. And I'm like, I didn't really think I was going to have to get professional help, but it just got to a point where I'm like, we're going to have to like talk to them like person to person because they would send you an email. Yep. And then like, give us all this X, Y, and Z things to do. And you're like, well, I don't know what it means. And I'm like, well, I know what it means. <laughs> I just not understanding why they want it that way. Cause I already did that. Um, <laughs> So it definitely was an adventure, but through that and stuff, I am going to start, like I said, I was going to, I'm going to start publishing and I've learned a lot. So my goal is to self-publish my novels, um, on Amazon through, I'll make an ebook as well as Kindle direct publishing, which is cool because then I don't have to carry stock of my books and anybody who wants to buy the book can just buy it online and uh, Amazon will print it and everything and send it right to you. Yes, um, it's amazing. So then I don't have to have stock. I mean, I can. I can order some myself. And then, you know, I'll just make the money the same way if I want to sell them or, like, I want to donate them or something. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of Amazon. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not advocating for it or against it. But I think it's a great opportunity to allow authors to self-publish yes. works. Um, you know, I, I think back to hearing about all those different um authors like JK Rowling and even Debbie Maycomber and some of the other hugely professional or uh, popular ones, well-known, they struggled to get a, a publishing company to pick up their book. Yeah. And these books and, are in like the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, long before we had the internet. And, and I think the good thing about self-publishing in this way and making it, you know, painless is, well, obviously it wasn't painless. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> no, it's okay. We forgive you because it was pretty painful. But anyway, I mean, if you think about it, you you guys are talking about how it took, what, six to ten days or something like yep. Back in the day, mm-hmm. yeah, now I feel old. But anyway, <laughs> back in the day, we are old. it could take years to get yeah. something public. Right. And so, right. so when you think about that in that kind of context, you know, and then if you self-publish at least your first book, it gets it out there and you yeah. can refer to it when you're seeking a publisher. Yeah. Yes. So I uh, thank you for saying that because so I'm learning about queries, uh, query letters to publishers and what's required. And there's like this whole section of, you know, what have you published before? And I was like, nothing, uh, <laughs> you know, actually I now can say two things, only one children's book, you know, but, but anyway, I was, you're right. And I'm really glad that you brought up the, um, you know, that really, I know it seemed like forever. We've just woke up every day to a new email <laughs> telling us to change something or do the same right. thing that we thought we already did the day yeah. before. And and I am not a techie person. And they That's would say, I'm sure. like... This is foreign language. I don't even know what they're asking me to do. Right. I would call Which is Aaron. what, you know, what <laughs> Tina was saying, you know, is, is because, you know, an author used to have to make like photocopies of their manuscript that they typed on a, on a, uh, a typewriter. Oh my gosh. And send that stack to like six publishers in hopes that one of them would even look at it. 
and you had to and you had to do your research of what each publisher wanted right because uh, i <clears throat> i had actually looked at publishing a book uh way back when it had been would have been late 80s early 90s and i got the you know went to the library and got the how to you know how do you get your book published books you know and used mm -hmm. a card catalog those still existed anyway <laughs> And you really needed to do your research and figure out who needed what. So some query letters had, some wanted them structured a certain way. Right. And sometimes you had to send a query letter for a query letter. Like, I've got a book idea. Would you be interested right. in me pitching it to you? And then <laughs> some wanted you to send the first chapter or the first three mm -hmm. chapters or, you know, and so it just or synopsis, or yes. you had to do your homework. And it was a lot harder then because you couldn't go on. Right. Yeah, it's just like now a resume. Like they used to say, like even 20 years ago, they said, you know, you have to know who you're applying to and tailor your resume to that using similar words to what is in the advertisement for the job. And if it's not structured a certain way, like, you know, professional, like, Employers yep. may just throw your resume in the trash because and, it's not formatted the way they want. And you had to walk it in. You had to actually take it in. Yeah. Right. Now they don't want you to do that. Right. Now they don't want to see your face. Right. Nobody wants They're to like, see anybody's don't, face. Don't, right don't now. bug me. Don't bug me right, <laughs> right. Now. I'll get back to you. My people will get a hold of your people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, and I'm still a caregiver. So I'm, I'm caring for a couple of people and um, that definitely does take a toll. But I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I like taking care of people, but you know, it, it, it has its emotional drains. You know, would I love to get to a point where I'm, you know, like making enough money, you know, where I don't have to, you know, work a, a full-time job. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, and that may come in a few years, who knows? Um, but I'm going to put it out there on faith and God is going to provide if it, I, it's meant to be, you know, I love it. I love it. Well, so since I kind of put some of my stuff in there too, thanks for, um, so got the children's book published, but I'll tell you this, the most wonderful blessing because I wrote it for my grandson was actually getting that first copy that you helped me print off Oh and, yeah, and reading it to him for his birthday this year. And he was just, Every night we would read it, he and one of his other grandfathers, and we'd read it and he was just glued in complete fascination to, to the story and to the characters and was asking questions and just really engaged. And I, the, of course, just, you know, filled my heart to overflowing and... You know, it was just a very special, special time. So no matter what happens, I mean, I've already sold several books already and kind of a cool thing. I think I've mentioned on here that I was adopted um, uh, without going into too many details. For me, that doesn't always come with the best memories or the best things mm -hmm. or the best thoughts. Um, and there's, you know, many reasons for that. But uh, the church that I currently attend, um, for the size of church that we have, they have a very large, um, 
contingency within our body that um, families who have adopted. And so we have like an adoption Sunday and we even have like where we celebrate all that. And we, um, we also, we have these little fundraisers and we have a, a fund at our church for members within the body who would like to think about adopting. There's money in there to help them do that. And All right, because adoption is very expensive. Oh my goodness, it's very expensive, and it it's just it's a lot, and it's a big long process. And oh, um, I can't lie. Probably, you know, for the last decade that you know I've been in, been involved with this church for well, fifteen years, I would I would have to leave on on adoption Sunday. I really affected me. Um, I would often have to walk out. I would end up in tears somewhere or just frustrated or angry or sad. I just, you know, my heart was really messed up when it came to that whole thing. And I was thrilled to death that there were all these people that were having these great, happy experiences. But it just, for me, it was like this opening, this raw wound and, and, see, you're not normal, this didn't happen to you, you know, blah, 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 you know, right. and all those negative thoughts that that come in, uh-huh. and I was really letting them win, and so, and this is, for me, the changes that are going on in my life, so I'm sitting in church, you know, which is awesome that we're getting to go back to physical church now, and worship together, and fellowship together, so we're in church, and you know, um, preaching, sermons happening, and there's announcements. And in the announcements was this um, announcement about Adoption Day. And I was like, I literally, like, my heart, I could just feel it go, ugh. And... But for some reason, I just really felt like I needed to stop worrying about my own little heart and listen. And pastor says something like, for the fundraising this year, we're going to be adopting books. And I was like, what? What a cool idea. Like, you know, and I'm listening to him and he's talking about it. And I was like, and the more he talked about it, like, I was like, wow. So I kind of, I, I sat right there and I kind of prayed about it. And I'm like, I wonder if they might want my book. But, you know, that I just wrote because it's a children's book. And so I went up after church and I'm talking with the, the pastor. And he's like, oh, Lori, that's a great idea. What, you know, wonderful idea. And... And he's like, you know, talk to, you know, secretary and, you know, we'll get that all figured out. And, you know, it was a little expensive what you and I did for David, you oh, know, my, yeah. my grandson. Mm-hmm. And that it was, I was like, wow, I don't have that kind of money to be just printing off books randomly. Right. So I'm chatting with the secretary and she goes, oh, well, I think we could cover the cost of that, you know, whatever. But then she said, but, you know let me get back to you. But she goes, and then she said, no, 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 no. We, we want 10 of them. And I was like, you, I, it's not published. Like it's not, 
it's not a thing yet. <laughs> right. Like I just printed one off for my grandson. Like I just wasn't quite. So then of course I contact you and, but honestly. And by then I've been doing some research on my own about how to publish on there and Kindle yes, and stuff. Which was so, so I was so grateful for I was like, oh, well, I know how to do that and I can make this and I know how to do that. So all I have to do is this, this, and this. And you're like, great, because I don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. <laughs> so it was just really great. You have Lori down to a T. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> what were you going to say? Basically what? I said, yeah, basically. I was agreeing yes, to what you yes. said. Um, so I... In this whole process, I've been journaling about it and I've been just processing my feelings and I feel like this is an amazing opportunity for me to let some of that hurt go and to move forward in a healthy way. And uh, they're going to be, you know, they've, they've already purchased them. You know, they, they purchased them the very first day that they were available, which was awesome, you know. And and so they already purchased them, and, and I'm going to be signing them. And um, it's turned into this really amazing, cathartic event for me. Um, and I'm actually, I think, for the first time looking forward to adoption day at church so um it's just been really cool um so some other things so i've mentioned that i'm disabled um so you know i don't have the nine to five job um i do do a lot of volunteering i'm working on writing i'm working on my photography um made it into another uh digital magazine which was wonderful um, and then, um, but I got invited to a, it's called a women of vision, uh, conference. And I was like, okay, um, well, well, um, I have visions and like, I kind of <laughs> think I <laughs> don't even go there. <laughs> I think I kind of know what I want to do with my life. I know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, But, you know, with this surgery and some of the new experiences and things, I've really kind of been struggling about, okay, where, what, uh, what am I doing? What am I going to do as my body continues to heal? And will I go back to work full time? Will it be part time? And no matter what I do, what will it look like? And, you know, So this vision conference was amazing to, I, I absolutely love being in an entire room full of women that are passionate and trying to, you know, be these women of vision themselves, you know, and I, there was a couple of lines that really, really impacted me. And so I'm hoping we'll, you know, look at some of these for, you know, future podcast topics and stuff. But one thing was, are, is your inside and your outside congruent? Do they line up? Do they match? Do they, you know, because that's what being a whole healthy person, you know, looks like. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, mine are definitely getting 
more there. Get it. Well, I'm definitely on that journey and on that path to to getting the insides and the outsides congruent. But I just realized I'm still on that journey. But but at least I'm I'm headed in that direction, and so that was good. And then the other thing was, one of the women said, "Embrace, don't endure your truth." And this is a woman who, similar to me, had been through a lot, you know, um, trauma and, and just different things and, and um, some health issues and things. And I loved what she said about embracing and not enduring. And Tina, you and I, we've talked a lot about that, you know, and, you know, because I'm trying not to be a victim anymore. I, and I don't even want to just be like a survivor. You know, I, I want, I, I, I'm trying to learn to embrace, you know, and that's a whole different way of looking at it. I feel like, and, and so I, I just really like those concepts. So uh, the one woman who talked about embracing and not enduring, she had these complimentary sessions and you could sign up for one. And I was like, just do it. Just sign up for one. So I signed up for one and she called me on Thursday and we had like an hour together and she's like, what do you want to get out of this session? And I you know, shared a few things. And, and so she goes, I think I'd like to help you, you know, go through this practice that we go through and for, for us to do that, I need you to describe if there were no limitations and, you know, all this stuff. I just want you to describe a perfect day for you and what it might look like, you know. So we go through this exercise and I'm a pretty descriptive person and, you know, I feel like I get passionate about different things and, you know, in my, in my conversation, this woman in this little bit of a conversation, it was probably 15 minutes, you know? So she goes, now I want you to kind of close your eyes and I just, I'm going to read back to you so you can envision with me what I heard you say. You guys, it's going to make me cry. Like it was so beautiful and so me and so amazing and just, oh, it was so fantastic. Like I felt like, I felt like I was like soaring. And I, I mean, it really, it impacted me for days. I've not been able to get this this vision thing out of my head and I just really was and I'm like well why can't I do those things or why can't I do that or you know and Tina it includes you know some of the things you and I've talked about if if um any of our listeners and you know you guys have read my book I talk about this home that I call Carpe Sparrow and where I get to help women widows, domestic violence victims, you know, single moms, you know, and we get to have counselors there and, and just 
this place, this safe place. And anyway, this is all in my vision. And, and she, she totally grasped my mindfulness that I've been practicing recently. And, and she's like talking about foods and just all these different things. And I just really was moved by the whole process and, um, feel like I have a better take on where I want to go. I'm not exactly sure yet how it's going to happen, but I feel like I have a pretty much clearer vision, you know, and, and I'm kind of excited about it. So, um, you know, as we keep doing the podcast, I'll keep revealing more things and we'll be talking about that. And, you know, but I just feel like for the first time in a long time, and it's weird because it's not like going back to school or, you know, finishing the degree or, you know, joining this volunteer board or doing this thing. Mm-hmm. It's a vision that I've never really been able to quite grasp that I feel like for the first time I'm, I'm grasping it in the realest way I've ever done before. So, yeah, I was really impacted if you can't tell. It it sounds like sort of what happened is that you had all of these scraps of ideas and thoughts and feelings and ambitions and all these things mm-hmm. that are just sort of leftovers from all your experiences, not exactly leftovers, but they're, they're mm-hmm. sort of little pieces yeah. of all these experiences that you've had. And you know that they're all part of who you are, part of what you dream about, part of yeah. just, just, just this thing. And it sounds like what she did is she, he so was it's beautiful, almost like, <laughs> like, like she walked in and said, oh, look, your life is this puzzle that's just dumped from the box onto the table and someone took away the picture. And now yeah. you've got all these pieces and she's like, oh, no, no, here, I found the picture for you. Oh, yes, yes, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Really had like just a, a top of the world experience with it. It really did was very, very life changing. So yeah, it was beautiful. Thank you. That was very good. I like that. And she did. She brought back a picture and gave me a picture to work with. And I yeah, I felt really blessed by the whole experience. I, and I can't wait to see what, what I'm going to do with it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, what about you, Tina? So. Professionally. Um, you know, when we first uh, were talking about what we were going to do for this podcast and talk about where we were at professionally, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm still doing the same old, same old. And I realized, wait a minute. No, there's a couple of things. Um. First of all, I, I finished uh, a, oh, what do you call it? I always just call it a training, but um, I, I did all the requirements to get, uh, to be a certified clinical trauma professional. Um, Yay, so, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, two. So it's not just the first one, it's the second one. Um <laughs> So I crammed in a a short amount of time, a two-year course over, you know, I I had to start, start, stop, start, stop, because, you know, I, I have a very hectic schedule at at work. Um, But, 
I finally completed that. So that's really exciting. Yay. I'm in the progress, uh, process of getting everything I need to be a supervisor. So what that would mean is that I would be able to um, like supervise like interns or people who are still working on getting their full license. Um, and the idea of that is to be able to bring interns into the agency, which would in, um, which would be fantastic. I would love to mentor uh, people, but I'd also free up a little bit of my time. Hope we're, we're flirting with the idea of you doing ride-alongs with uh, the sheriff's office in our area uh, to do calls where there's been some sort of domestic violence or victims of trauma. Uh, right. Where I could be on hand to assist with that. Um, that would be wonderful. Yeah, a lot of police departments are starting to implement that. I think they're doing that here in Tacoma as well. Yeah, our sheriff's office used to do it a long time ago with our agency, where our advocates would ride out with them uh, to calls, and then they stopped doing it for a long time, and then they've recently brought it back up. And it's something I've always been interested in doing because I think that's probably one of my strong suits is being able to. Uh, stand still in a crisis like I, I i don't typically get very um uh like i don't i just don't get real amped up really easy so um, yeah and i've and i've got good de-escalation skills and stuff like that so um and and i build rapport quickly so with people so um so that's exciting i'd like to be able to do that if if we proceed if we move forward with that but um but yeah, and then also I've been able to, uh, I've done one already and I'm going to get ready to do another one this week where I, I work with, um, our, as a part of our agency, we are, <clears throat> the sheriff's office asked us to come in and do some training. And so I do my part on talking about trauma, you know, just what that looks like and whatnot. So that's, that's wonderful. really exciting. Yeah. That all sounds uh, just great. Yeah. Super exciting stuff. Also, you know, I was thinking about it while you were talking, Laurie, about our conversation the other day and how you writing this children's book reminded me of a book I'd written for my own kids when they were little uh, and how they still talk about this character that I, I made up and wrote a story about and had lost the story somewhere along the way. And as we were talking and I was telling you what it was about, realizing how much of it came back to me, and I'm like... Maybe I'll rewrite that story for them. Oh, you're so good. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I know somebody that could help publish it. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and the great thing, EJ, is that um, I'll actually understand what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. At, at one point, I just told Lori, he's like, just tell me what they want, and I'll send it back to you. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain it. <laughs> Oh man, I'm feeling a little blonde oh. over here. Not that I can't be, and I can always claim that. No, right now you're a grape. Well, is that, yep. is that... <laughs> for those of you who don't know? Because we obviously can't see us each other. Uh, Lori has purple hair right now. Oh yes, I do. I just have to do fun things, you know. I started that, you know. Remember back when I was, um, um, when Chelsea was working with me and. We joked about the Fifty Shades of Lori. Yeah. And um, so my new caregiver, she's helping me. <laughs> Don't even go there. She's helping me do my hair. And she goes, 
Well, we could reinstitute that. I'm sure we could go up with Fifty Shades, Lori. At one time. I want to see you do Fifty Shades at one time. No, no, I'm not quite ready to look like a total clown. (laughs) I don't know if I'd have gotten you one more drink last night. I might have been able to get that done. There you go. I'm (laughs) such a cheap drunk now that I've had this stupid surgery. I can only have one drink and I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's it for me. That's good. I'm, That's yeah. good. You don't want to go in excess. No, I don't. I don't. But it's just weird, you know. I mean, that was never a, a massive issue for me, you know. But, and that, you know, not the cause of my liver disease. But but it's it's like one of those things you're like, oh, yeah, I can only have one. Like, that's it. That's all yeah. there is. And I'm done, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've talked personal and professional so podcast wise uh just our plans for that um like i know we have a couple of ideas planned for upcoming podcasts our goal is to continue to do every other sunday as an update um so i don't think much is going to change on that aspect we might switch up a couple of days depending on the holidays right right um but we try to record in enough of time to give me about a week to edit. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really, I really um, like those two concepts that I got out of that um, vision conference. Mm-hmm. I really want to, I think I do want to kind of dig into, and and we can tie that into the mask thing, but why are we not congruent? on the inside and the outside and, and what causes that? What, what can we do about it? You know, I definitely think, think that would be a great place to go. Um, and then, you know, that concept of embracing rather than enduring. And, you know, we can use lots of different, you know, descriptive words in there, but just a very different way to look at, how we survive things, how we get through things. I'm, uh, this week, I'm participating all week long in a um, resiliency uh, conference online. And um, really, really, like, I definitely love this concept of resiliency. And um, so I'm going to have lots of notes from that. And um, looking forward to this one speaker that is a neurologist and literally going to talk from a neurologist perspective all about (laughs) I'm sorry I don't mean to laugh but when you started you slowed down with the neur I was like neurotic (laughs) where are we going with this here some of the neurologists are neurotic so I mean it works (laughs) so anyway um, Do do you know the name of the neurologist uh I could look him up. I'll do that while you guys talk about something else. No. <laughs> so, yeah. You guys talk about some things you want to talk about. Um, I don't have anything off the top of my head. I, you know, mine's more background. I'm trying to get some stuff going so we can be a little more streamlined. I'm, I'm looking at, um, there's a couple of people within my church body here in Tacoma that I have considered off asking to join an episode um just for get certain some more topics guests. 
Yeah, it would be cool to have some of our friends and being I would really like that. Yeah, there's a couple of people I'm thinking of, you know, off the top of my head right now that I think would benefit for some of the episodes. And and it's funny, too, because, like, it's a couple of people, you know, that I know listen to it. And so during other groups, they'll make a comment about, you know, wearing a mask. And they're like, because I listen to, you know, your podcast. I'm like, okay. Or they or they won't, and they'll they'll make a comment about being authentic or being you know wearing a mask or something, and I'm like, hmm, you know, and so then it makes me want to like go back to them and say, hey, you know, remember when you talked about that? You know, hey, can I talk to you? And then, yeah, so I think it'd be cool. We've you know gotten established with you know quite a few episodes um, between the three of us, and I think it would be fun to add an, another person just to see how it goes, and even if it's just a once in a while thing. Yeah, I think it'd be great to have some guests. Um, Tina, the guy's name is Titus. I'm gonna say Chu, C H I U. Okay. Um, uh, not someone yeah. I've heard of. But. Yeah. Um, there are several doctors on this panel. There are several other things. There's a, um, you know, yeah. There are lots of doctors in here. Um, there's gonna be a rewiring the brain for resilience and. Um, um, brain balance and resilience, neurology yeah. of resilience. Now, how did you find out about this? This is through your counselor? This is through my uh, psychologist, my counselor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. He was like, he was so funny. I was telling Tina about it. You know, he he's like, I don't normally do this with my clients. So I'd like to take off my professional hat and put on this other one. And I think that you would really like this. And it's free. And he said, as long as you can get past, they're going to try to sell you 20 million products and 20 million things. He said, I can, you know, send you the link and you can attend. And I was like, uh, yes, I want to do this. He goes, oh, good. I was hoping you would say that. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm curious if there's names like Bessel van der Kolk and uh, Gentry. I can't remember his first name. Okay. I'll look through and find out. And, um, you know, just kind of see, but, you know, I figure there'll be a bunch of stuff I can share with you and, and everyone else. And, um, it looks really amazing and it's all week long every morning. I am eternally grateful that I found out that, um, the episodes are available to me for 24 hours. So I don't have to wake up at the ungodly hour of. Seven or eight o'clock to listen to these things. <laughs> the ungodly hour, seven or eight. I know. I know. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm watching the clock right now, no, and I have to get up at like. Yes, yes. So we got to right? we got to finish up here. But anyway, yeah, I am not I, looking forward to that early hour. So the cool thing is, I can wake up a little bit later and start normally nice. uh-huh. at a time that's better for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love how we, you know, at different times in our lives, we can like learn different things. And I, you know, and I think that's going to help enrich our podcast too, you know, because it'll bring different elements and different things we learn. And yeah, there's even topics that we've already had that I'm sure that we could re um, revisit, revisit, revisit um, just yes. with new information that we've learned or just had more thoughts on it. Um, I know Lori and I, um, we definitely want to do the part two of our um, the weight loss podcast um, yes you weren't able to be a part of um them for a while so we we wanted to hold off because we wanted to make sure you could be there for the like mental health side of what we were going to talk about and <laughs> um 
you know, we need I, your I, great wisdom. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure we could have <laughs> tackled it, but like, I was like, we need Tina for this. So, yeah. It's um, good to be needed. Isn't it nice to be needed? Um, yeah. So, I, and I, and I think, you know, I'm excited, you know, we're getting close to the end of the year. It's hard to believe we're at the, almost at the end of 2021. Thank um, goodness. We thought 2020 was bad. Everybody's like, yay, 2020 is done. Oh, here comes 21. You're right. Yeah. I'm ready. I don't know. You know, it's got to be a better year. You see the memes that are like 2020. Everyone's like, oh, 2020, you know, hindsight's 2020, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. See, and, and then, you know, 2020 happened and it was like a dumpster fire. Yeah. And yes. Then, and then, you know, everyone's like, okay, 2021 is going to be great and it's going to be 202WON, as in like 2020, and you're going to win in 2021. I'm like, it's not much better. No, we did not do much winning. Fire, someone added gasoline onto you. Yeah. <laughs> right um, oh my gosh yeah that's craziness so um just as a, a thought i uh it was a conversation laurie and i had not too long ago and i thought uh we kind of came out of that conversation was doing a mask in the mirror yes yes that's i think that's coming up is our next one. Oh, i, I haven't looked is. at the notes so you know oh, I, I don't think we <laughs> I don't think we've written the notes for that one, but I think we had talked about it and we were originally going to do that one for this episode. But I'm like, you know, we've been off for quite a while. It would be cool to check in. Yeah, we all have some in. stuff going on. So um, I think that is the next next one we talked about doing. Yes. So let's definitely put that on there. The I will try to look at the notes before the day <laughs> of. It's okay. Um, we're so appreciative of that. Thank you, Tina. <laughs> Just a friendly reminder that anything discussed in this podcast is not to be used as a diagnosis or a replacement for conversations with your own doctors, therapists, psychologists, or other medical professionals. Available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Behind the Mask PC. And if you don't use social media, you can email us at BehindTheMaskPC at gmail.com. Feel free to review us on Anchor, leave feedback on the platform you listen to us on, or message us through our social media or email because we'd love to hear what you think. If there's a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, feel free to message us and we'll see about making it happen. You can find EJ on Twitter and Instagram as EJ8302. And if you'd like to keep these episodes coming, you can monetarily support us by visiting anchor.fm slash behind the mask PC slash support. And on behalf of Lori, T, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.